1: This is Live Mike is Live Mike WT with Lelon from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lelon on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is episode 10. We've made it to double digits. That should be some kind of uh, cause for celebration. Maybe we'll get a cake or something after the show. Uh, producer Amy and the rest of the great team, we'll get to uh, uh, some celebrations later on. Episode 10, Live Mike. This is the program. This segment, we're talking about uh, tax reform. My guest is Amy Winder-Newton. She is a candidate for governor. And she is also a member of the Salt Lake County Council, representing District 3. Uh, uh, Amy, can I ask you a question? Sure, it's, it's off topic, and it has to do with your name. I When I married my wife, she was born and raised here in Utah, and when she uh, was born, her parents didn't give her a middle name. And when we got married, she moved her maiden name to become her middle name, and, uh, and, and my name, Lonsberry, is now her last name. Is that the case with you?
0: It is, except my parents did give me a middle name. So not very many people know this. I've never actually publicly announced this, so I'm Ooh. doing it first on your show. Hold on
1: a second. We have, we have actually, sounders for this. We have breaking news sounders for this. Here we go.
0: Okay. So my middle name is actually Jeanette. One more time. Jeanette.
1: Okay.
0: So I was I was uh, given the name Amy Jeanette Winder when okay. I was born. Okay. And when I married my husband Matt, I ditched the Jeanette's middle name, and I use Amy winder Newton, which is my married
1: name and my maiden name. So, oh, okay. that's the is, is, is winder Newton hyphenated or no? Just uh, just two two. No,
0: no hyphenated. Okay, that's just my my maiden name and then my married name.
1: So. The, the reason I ask Simple is because as the reason I asked as you were coming on the air, I in my mind I was racing. To, how do I refer to her? And I, I called you Amy by your first name, and I was a, a little uh, a little shy doing that. So, uh, Ms. Newton. Uh you, you can
0: call me Amy. You okay. can totally call me Amy.
1: Amy yeah, it is then. Totally fair. All yeah. right, very good. Uh thanks for that little tangent. Uh so uh, tax reform. You have had an interesting relationship with this tax reform uh as it w- from its inception to its current form. Will you will talk to us a little bit about that what were your thoughts initially as the as the idea was first brewing and then now uh as it stands uh, essentially in referendum form uh or an attempt at referendum uh currently?
0: Well, I, when we first started talking about tax reform, I understood the issue. And that was that we have these three different pots of funding and they're imbalanced and and we needed to fix that. So I, I understood that piece. I kind of expected that there would be more public dialogue and discussion and, um, incorporation of feedback and things like that before a bill came out. And so last legislative session, when two weeks before the end of the session, With no public input, you know, behind closed doors, all of a sudden this bill made its way to the public um, and everybody was up in arms. I just thought, oh, this is not the ideal process that I was hoping for. Um, I think at that point, the the public lost trust. I think they were frustrated. You know, at that point, that bill had a whole bunch of taxes on services, brand new taxes that we had not seen in the uh, states neighboring ours don't have and so there was there was a lot of concern there well the legislature obviously knew that there were some issues and so that got put on hold the listening and learning tour around the state happened you know i feel like when you're going to take public input that you you take it in a form where you can have actual dialogue back and forth and you can incorporate some of that feedback i think some of that happened but really, I feel like the public kind of got left behind. And that's been my big issue all along, is that the process was flawed. There wasn't enough time to really get people up to speed on what the real issues were. And I think there's aspects of tax reform that we really need to be debating as a public. We need to find out, how should we be funding roads? We need to have that, that dialogue with the public on, you know, do you believe everybody who uses them should pay for them, or should it just be a public good or a public service that everybody pays into much like we do with public ed. So I, I think there's some other issues that we didn't really, we missed those dialogues and and that was frustrating. You know, the sales tax on food came out of nowhere in my mind. and And I'm frustrated with that because I think you have fiscal analysts who can tell you, yeah, this makes sense and this is how you should, you know, have your tax process. But, when you talk to real Utahns, it doesn't always translate that
1: way. We're speaking to Amy Winder-Newton. She's a candidate for governor, also a, a member of the Salt Lake County Council representing District 3. She uh, ha- has had an, an evolving attitude towards uh, this tax reform. Uh, is it fair to characterize, Amy, y- your attitude as as, as too multifaceted? One, you are frustrated with the process uh, by which this uh, piece of legislation was crafted, and then uh, more specifically, in its current form or the form that passed uh the utah legislature you have issues with uh, with its substance
0: absolutely uh, the process has been my biggest hang up i just you, like
1: you wrote about that out. in uh, in an op-ed in the deseret news
0: i did well, i did but as far as the the, uh, the issues themselves on sales tax on food i mean i can speak specifically to that one i thought you know as i'm as i'm listening to all of these discussions and i hear you know, the legislature is looking to do a grocery rebate for those in poverty of $125, you know, dollars per person annually. You know, I hear these things and I think, okay, well, you know, maybe this helps kind of make it right for people. Well, I wanted to do my own research, and so I actually sat down with people who are um, in poverty as part of the they're, – they're in a group called Circles. It's a nonprofit that helps give mentoring to people who are trying to get out of poverty. And I have gotten to know these guys because I work with intergenerational poverty in Salt Lake County. And I'm very involved with that. And so um, I sat down with these people and I was able to ask them, you know, and, and we did the math. We, we totally spelled out the math. So I, I talked about, you know, here's how much it would increase a dollar 50 per every $50 worth of groceries. We talked yep. about the annual rebate But these people said to me, we would rather have that monthly money in hand, even if it's a smaller amount, than they would with an annual rebate. They said, that does us no good because we have monthly bills that we're trying to make ends meet and, and pay. And it changed my perspective.
1: So d- d- despite the fact that in at the end of the day, they do end up annually with more money in their pocket, what you witnessed or what you've experienced in talking to these folks is that they would rather uh, have that larger, that overall number be lower, but uh, a greater number each month.
0: Right. Is they that fair? They would rather see a monthly, the monthly dollars in hand. That's and, interesting. And I think sometimes as government officials, we have this arrogance that we think that we know what's best for people. And, you know, on paper, maybe it looks good. Yeah. But in real
1: life, it may not always be the best thing. I, so it's frustrating. Let me ask you two, two more questions here. Uh, I, I want to read from your uh, op-ed that you had published in the Deseret News uh, earlier this month. Uh, one of the last paragraphs reads thusly: It says, "To push uh, to sidestep the push to sidestep the full legislative process by passing the reforms in a special session is a mistake that risks alienating key constituencies. It could prompt more citizens to seek to govern via referendum. The legislative process is the best tool for policy." We should stick with that process in the general session to allow for optimal deliberation and public engagement. Now, I, the, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, uh, I, I don't disagree. Uh, l- let me ask you this, and this is a question coming out of left field, and so I apologize if you don't have this thought through, <laughs> but let me just pose it to you. Uh, it, it, it may stand to reason that a full-time legislature, as opposed to Utah's current part-time legislature, which gets together from January to mid-March, a full-time legislature uh, might lend itself to this more uh, deliberate and uh, uh, more accessible public engagement. Do you have a, a position on uh, on whether or not Utah's part-time legislature is the, is the best uh, setup?
0: You know, one of the worries that I think we have with our government officials is when they become out of touch. And I think that's been an issue with this tax reform discussion. I think if you have a full-time legislature, they would be so out of touch with the public. I mean, one of the nice things about our part-time legislature is that they have other jobs, that they work in other sectors, that they're, you know, interacting with people in other ways besides just in their government roles. And I think that's actually really healthy for people to be able to have um the ability to to understand
1: what's going on with real Utahs Very okay, good. Uh, lastly, you signed the referendum being circulated by former Representative Fred Cox uh, to get this measure on the ballot in November. Uh, what led you to that decision, real quick?
0: You know, the pro- I, like I said, it's been a faulty process. I feel like we didn't come to the right conclusions on this. As much as I'd rather see the legislative process be the one that takes us there, a referendum in this case is basically the public's ability to veto something. I see. And I agree with that. And so I did step up. I signed it. I'm actually, I've got a petition packet and I've got, uh, people who have been signing that. And I think that this is a good process for the public to
1: have their voice heard. Excellent. Our guest has been Amy Winder Newton. She's running for governor. She's also a member of the Salt Lake County Council representing district three. Uh, Amy, we, I, I promise we'll chat again. I want to hear more about your attitudes and other views. We'll speak to you uh, more as a candidate in, in that sense. This uh, conversation though, focusing on tax reform. I'm grateful to you for your time. I'm grateful to you for sharing with us your views and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thanks, Lee. All righty. Uh, listen, this is Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. In our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be a neighbor. Uh, I've been soliciting your input throughout the program today. Do you know your neighbors? Do you have a relationship with them? Or is it now because we have cell phones and uh, and email and all that? And maybe uh, face-to-face uh, relationships uh, with our neighbors are uh, less common. That's uh, the case for me. I uh, really don't have good relations with my neighbors. I look forward to changing that, though. And I want to talk to you about that very fact next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.